Welcome to Secrets True Crime, The Disappearance of Jessica Hamby. I am your host, Amber Sitton. What is done in darkness will eventually come to light. That is the purpose of this podcast, to shine light on the disappearance of Jessica Hamby. Listener discretion is advised. The subject matter may involve violence, sexual content, murder, and adult themes. This episode does contain foul language. It is not suitable for younger listeners. This is episode seven of season three of a serialized podcast, and the episodes are designed to be listened to in order. Jessica Leanne Hamby has been missing since January 3rd, 2018. At the time of her disappearance, the 24-year-old mother of three was a beautiful brunette with big hazel eyes. She had a head full of long, thick hair, was five foot two inches tall, and weighed about 125 pounds. In the four and a half years since Jessica was last reported to be seen, the stories regarding her disappearance and fate have been plentiful and the facts scarce. In season three of Secrets True Crime, The Disappearance of Jessica Hamby, we are starting from the beginning. And by the beginning, we are beginning with Jessica's life six months prior to her disappearance. We are going to focus on the details and try to discern fact from fiction. Jeremy Abbott's mother, Kimberly Mann, was left without any answers or investigation into her son's death. Despite the apparent refusal by law enforcement to investigate what happened to Jeremy, Kim wouldn't give up, and she was convinced that her own family had something to do with what happened to him. I had a conversation with Carrie um, one day when I went to his house about him knowing what happened to Jeremy. In that conversation, he started out by saying that Jesse had came to his house on one occasion and he, you know, he already knew that Jesse had some kind of involvement or he suspected that Jesse had some kind of involvement in what happened to Jeremy. He told me that he threatened Jesse and told Jesse that if he didn't tell him what happened, that he wasn't going to be leaving that house because he knew that he knew what had happened. Well, he said, so Jesse began telling him what happened, which was he said that he got Jeremy to get in the car with him. They got in the car and went to Quarter Creek. When they got to Quarter Creek, they were met by a whole bunch of people that were in the woods out there the little woods that go between where you swim at and where you go fishing at, like the boat dock. And he said that Jesse had told him that a fight started and that they were all ganging up on Jeremy and they beat him till he was unconscious. Said Jesse had no involvement in that part. The only part that he admitted that Jesse had took part in was getting Jeremy to quarter creek 
So they said uh, once Jeremy was unconscious that they had put Jeremy in the back of a car that was driven by. And then they went over to the um, location of the Benefield Dairy Farm Road where it was Josh Hyde's house. And from there, he did not tell me, you know, anything that happened once they got there because he said that Jesse told him at that point he had let, he was leaving from that, that area. And, but he said, Jeremy was still there and he's not sure as to what happened after there from that point. But he did say at Quarter Creek that it wasn't just one person that was, was there and that took place in what happened to Jeremy. He, he did say that Daniel Luna was supposed to have been there and he was supposed to have been the uh, main instigator of what went on there. But after that, I like, he didn't didn't go into like any kind of detail. He just said Jesse left the area of Benefield Dairy Farm Road after at that point in time. I do know that in the conversation that we had where he told me he had threatened Jesse, that Jesse had told him that they wanted Jesse to, they gave Jesse a pistol and they wanted Jesse to kill Jeremy, but he told him he was just, he could not, he could not do that. Did he tell you why they did this to Jeremy? Well, he said that the reason why everything happened was JK, my brother, um, and Jesse had robbed somebody and the people came after them so Jesse and Jay blamed Jeremy and Juan Ortega is what Carrie told me that they blamed the uh, Jeremy and Juan Ortega for what had happened. And so the people told them, well, I want them here and I want something done with, I want their heads. There's nobody who is saying who those people are. Like I know who was there. Some of the people who were there. I know some of the people who laid hands on Jeremy that night, but the people who were truly actually behind it, I have no idea. Nobody mentions those people's names. So the people told them, either you get them boys here or we're going to kill y'all. And so that's what my nephew done. My nephew went and picked up Jeremy and he got him where he was. I'm assuming that the girl that I've always heard that was with Jeremy, because there was a girl with him, but nobody told me who that was. There was a girl with him when Jesse went to pick him up, and he said, well, this girl's going to come along with me. No, there's nobody coming with you. Well, then Jeremy decided, he said, well, then I'm not going. If she can't go, I'm not going. Well, I guess they decided to let her go, too. So that's how they got him to where they were, which was over at all this started at Quarter Creek. It didn't start like where it ended. It started at Quarter Creek. Carrie told Kim that 15 people were waiting to ambush Jeremy in the woods. Jessica told her mom a similar story. She indicated there was a group of people waiting on them, but she didn't specify just how many. As with the Eric Cates case, I found myself wondering how that many people could either witness or take part in a murder and it just be kept quiet for so long. However, the truth is, 
it hasn't been kept quiet. Despite the ludicrous determination by law enforcement and the coroner that Jeremy committed suicide, most people who knew Jeremy know he was murdered. Just like with the Eric Cates case, the problem was, and still is, the failure of law enforcement and other public officials to perform their basic sworn duties. Just like Eric's mom, Toby Stover, Kim knows many of the witnesses and or willing participants in her son's murder. She is close friends with the father of one of them, and he shared with her something his adult child had said to him. He said, but they told her and everybody there, if you mention a word of this to anybody, you'll be the next one that's dead. And she said, well, she told him, maybe one day, maybe one day when I know they can't get to me, maybe I'll talk. Her feelings about that are also in line with Toby's, as they've both been repeatedly given the same excuse of people not coming forward because they are afraid. Not anybody who had any involvement is going to come come in and say anything because, well, for one, some of them are scared. I mean, I guess, you know, but if I knew what happened to somebody or if I knew somebody killed somebody, I don't care who it was or what it was, what the situation was, or if they threatened. I mean, I've been threatened too, but I don't care. I've been threatened. You know, you better stop talking. You better stop talking. But I mean, I don't care. Like, I think it's kind of hard. Jeremy was only missing a month, and that was the longest month of my whole entire life. Like, and I can't imagine, like, what Jessica's dad's going through, Jessica's mom's going through. I mean, she's been gone for for a long time. Did he ever say anything to you to indicate that what happened to Jessica was related to what happened to Jeremy? Not that I can recall, like, not just coming out and saying, but... He did say that at one point that the reason why Jessica was missing is because she told what happened to Jeremy. One day when I was talking to him, I had mentioned that they were still looking for her. And like I was trying to do, you know, I mean, I would listen, watch people, you know, their posts, everything trying to, you know, because I wanted to help also in in looking for her. But in that conversation, my brother had told me that, um, He said, do you not remember what she told you when we went down there when you were looking for Jeremy and she told you to get the fuck out of her house because um, her daughter was in danger and she didn't want to have anything like to do with it, to stay away from her daughter. And he said, if I was you, I wouldn't be doing anything to help like them. And in that same conversation, he said, I can already tell you they're not going to find Jessica. Her body won't ever be found. And at that moment, I did ask you know, why he said that, but he never answered. He never said anything else about it at that point. You don't remember Lynn telling y'all to leave and stay away from her daughter. I remember going and talking, but the way my brother said it, she may have said it, but I don't think she said it the way that my brother, my brother portrayed it to happen. I do remember that we did go to the apartment. My brother was not there. So when we were looking, my brother never once went with us to look for Jeremy. So I know he was not there. But now with that being said, Jesse was there. You know, Jesse was pretty much involved in in a lot of stuff that we done, like at the very beginning. But, it, you know, 
as soon as it became apparent that I knew he knew what happened and that he had involvement, I told everybody he is not to go anywhere on anything that we do. Because the reason why he's going is because he he wants to know what we know so he can go back and tell the other people involved what's going on. Like I said, I, I spoke with her, but I don't believe that she said it the way that, I mean, probably as a concerned mother, you know, she didn't want to discuss it because I do remember speaking with her. But the whole conversation, the way my brother said it happened, yeah, I don't remember that. I don't think she's ever like cussed me in the way he said she did so do you think that he could have just been trying to discourage you from having an interest in helping to find jessica probably there was some reason why he said it because like i said i don't ever remember her speaking to me in that way i do remember being told that we weren't going to talk to her daughter i do remember that but well, that makes a lot of sense since jesse was there yeah but you know he just kept on like, I don't know why you're trying to help them. They didn't help you when your son was missing. They didn't help you when Jeremy was missing. And but I guess maybe you didn't know this at, at the time. But I mean, like, it's interesting that to me that he said that. And maybe this wasn't known at the time by you anyway. Mm-hmm. But it was Jessica that led law enforcement to Jeremy. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, that's uh that's something to think about, and you, I mean, you might be right. I mean, it might have been, you know, now that you're saying that, it might have been because, just like I said, the whole thing with um him telling me what happened to Jeremy, I'm pretty sure that was to lead me on a different path in the hopes that I would leave his son out of all of this or, you know, people that were involved that were involved with him, like that he cared about, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe there's a lot of ulterior motives to what he told me. You know, mm-hmm. although... Um, I thought he was being sincere. I thought he actually really cared, but I do not believe that at this point. Like at this point, I believe the whole conversation that we had was trying to lead me away from people that was around him. Because I mean, it is his family that, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's uh, his sons, which from the way Carrie talked, he didn't have no use for my other brother, but I'm kind of second guessing that at this point too. I, I believe that's what he wanted us to think is we weren't having, he wasn't having anything to do with him at that time. But there's been other things that's came to light that lead me to believe. I mean, he always said he was going to kill him if he ever ran up on him. But then I was told on two occasions he ran up on him and they talked just like they were just like me and you're talking right now. So, I, I don't know. I like like at this point, I don't know like how to feel or what to believe. But I do know that certain things that I've found out have made me believe that now even maybe he knew what happened. I'm, I'm pretty sure, as I said, I'm pretty sure he knows what happened to Jessica. I mean, I'm pretty sure of that because otherwise, how could he be sh- so sure that they wouldn't find her body? How could he be so sure to tell me they're never going to find her body either? He was there when they did something to her. Or he knows where they what they done with her. Well, and yeah, and he he told you that the reason Jessica was missing is because she told what happened to Jeremy. Uh-huh. But then he turned around and tried to convince you that you shouldn't have any concern about helping Jessica's family because the mother her mother talked so ugly to you. Uh-huh. But to your recollection, that never even happened. I do remember her telling me. 
that we were not going to speak to Jesse, but the way that he said it was like, get the fuck out of my house. You're not speaking to my daughter. Don't fucking come back around here. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I don't remember that conversation ever happening. And I told him at that point in time, I told him, I don't remember that. And he said, how can you not remember somebody telling you something? And I said, I don't remember that. So he knew that I did not remember that. It's not like, you know, it's just coming about now that I didn't remember it. Kim's brother, Carrie, died in May 2021. So unfortunately, she won't be able to ask him the new questions that she has. Initially, Kim believed Carrie was being honest with her and trying to help. But as she's learned new information over time, she's realized that many of Carrie's statements don't make sense or are contradictory, such as him trying to convince her that Jessica's mom, Lynn, was ugly to her. Not only was Carrie not present when Kim went to Lynn's house, his statement about Jessica and Lynn refusing to help contradicts Kim's own recollections. The fact that Jessica did provide law enforcement with the location of Jeremy's body, and most significantly, Carrie's own words to Kim. He told her Jessica was missing because she told what happened to Jeremy, yet he tried to persuade Kim not to help Jessica's parents find her by attempting to convince her that her own recollection was inaccurate and that Jessica's mom was ugly to her. While this doesn't necessarily mean that the information Carrie gave was inaccurate, it does mean it should be considered suspect and questionable until it can be verified and proven through other means. When Kim approached Carrie to have this discussion, she was already convinced that her family was involved in Jeremy's murder, specifically Carrie's son, Jesse, and her brother, J.K. Abbott. Even Kim now suspects that some of the information and the names given were given to protect the ones close to Carrie and to misdirect Kim's attention. But on the other hand, she's heard some of the same or similar information from others too. The way he told me and the things that he told me matched up with other things that other people had told me. Some of the things, not, not everything that he told me, but I just don't think he could have made that up. Like, I just don't think he just invented that in his head and he just told me because he said that everything that he told me was what Jesse told him that happened because Jesse was there. Family is not a, most of them are not trustworthy. I mean, as you know, I found out really quick, Jesse's the one that got Jeremy where he was. Jesse was Jeremy's cousin and he took him to where they killed him. He stood there and watched while they did. He stood there and did nothing to help. And most of my family is like that. If it's them or you, it's going to be you. It's not going to be them. One thing we know for an absolute fact is that Jessica Hamby did tell law enforcement where to find Jeremy's body. To recap some of the more important points in the past episodes, Jessica told both her parents that she knew where Jeremy was. Both parents encouraged her to come forward to law enforcement with the information and both knew that Jessica was scared. 
Lynn arranged for Jessica to be picked up and turned over to a bail bondsman on a prior charge in which her bond had been revoked. Lynn did this because she was scared for Jessica and thought that she'd be safer in jail. She verified that Jessica would be held in jail and would not be able to bond herself out. Once Jessica was safely locked away in the Winston County Jail, Lynn went to the Haleyville police officer that Jessica trusted to tell him that Jessica was willing to tell him where to find Jeremy's body. The next day, even though he'd promised not to conduct that interview in the jail, he did, in fact, interview Jessica there, and she did provide the location of Jeremy's body. Jeremy was found the next morning, on July 21st, 2017, based on the information Jessica gave to the law enforcement officer. As soon as Jeremy was found, Jessica was released from jail on a signature bond, even though she was there because of a revoked bond, and she shouldn't have been able to get out of jail for quite some time. So what did Jessica do next? We've obtained screenshots of a messenger conversation that Jessica had with a friend once she was released from jail. We can't see the exact date that the messages were sent, but we can tell that they were sent no later than July 23rd, which was two days after Jeremy was found. It appears Jessica told this friend that she needed a safe place to go in part of the conversation that we don't have screenshots for. The friend replied to Jessica with a screenshot of a domestic violence shelter in the Florence area and asked Jessica what was going on. Jessica replied, The Abbots got me in some shit. The friend asked Jessica what she meant. If Jessica replied, we don't have a screenshot of it, but we do have some additional information that came from her friend. After Jessica sent the message telling her that the Abbots had her in some shit, the two talked on the phone. According to the friend, Jessica told her that she witnessed Jeremy's murder and told her who killed him, but the friend said she couldn't remember who Jessica said did it. She also stated that she had turned the screenshots over to the police and they instructed her not to share them with anyone because they were investigating it. We are pretty comfortable stating there's been no real investigation into Jeremy Abbott, ever, and no investigation into the potential connections between Jeremy's death and Jessica's disappearance. After all, Jeremy was ruled to be a suicide, and his family was denied an autopsy. The friend went on to note that when she told the Marion County cop what she knew, he acted like he didn't give two shits. Her words, not mine. She could not remember the name of the law enforcement officer that she provided this information to. There are so many different accounts and witnesses who have stated that Jessica was very afraid. There's also hard evidence of it in Jessica's own words and messages that she sent. Jessica was scared enough that she ultimately made the decision to leave the state to hide. Jessica's sister, Shana, was our very first interview related to Jessica's case, and she was the first person 
that mentioned Jeremy Abbott to us. Here's what she told us. So you said in 2017, she had gotten really bad. What was going on? I mean, what, what was going on with her during that time? It was just a lot of bad stuff that in that one year that's all packed together. I mean, she had a friend get murdered or whatever they want to call it. And it was just a lot. And I don't think that helped that downward spiral. Did she ever talk to you about him? She did tell me that she was really close with him and that she was scared. But she wouldn't tell me anything more. She did believe that he was murdered. I think she might have been there. I don't really know that whole story about back to back, you know, every detail. But I know that it scared the shit out of her and she left Alabama for a couple months. I want to say she went to Mississippi. That's what she's now. If she was really in Mississippi. I don't know for sure. But she I know that she said she was in Mississippi and I didn't see her for a couple months. So we do know that Jessica went somewhere in Mississippi we are still attempting to verify additional information about her time in Mississippi. But like most other aspects of this case, nothing is clear. We've been told she went to several different cities in Mississippi, and the three cities named are all in completely different areas of the state. We have interviewed the man who says he drove Jessica, and he told us that he took her to Sunflower, Mississippi. The man who picked Jessica up and brought her back home is now deceased. Even the time frame of how long Jessica stayed there is unclear, but we believe it was likely somewhere in the range of two to three months. This is something we will continue to work on and hopefully bring you additional information about in the future. We think Jessica returned to Alabama in October or November of 2017. Regardless of when it was, we know that she went missing less than five and a half months after Jeremy Abbott's body was found. And for half of that time, Jessica was lying low in another state. The connection between Jeremy's death and what led to Jessica entering detox and ultimately meeting Alicia, Derek, Eric, and Shane before she vanished is clearly very strong. It isn't a new idea or theory, though for some reason, it has been largely ignored for years. Jessica's dad told us as much, and his belief of the connection has been repeated by many of the people we have talked to. Keith told us that he voiced his thoughts on this to law enforcement early on in the investigation into Jessica's disappearance. Finally, the ABI got involved, Marion County, of course, Kind of was involved because of Kenny. He got the sheriff's department involved. And the DA Slatton got the ABI involved. And that's where I met Lieutenant Robbie Barton. The first conversation I had with Lieutenant Barton, we had a meeting in Marion County. And I think Sheriff Williams was there, Lieutenant Barton. I actually think DA Slatton may have been there. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that was that meeting. But one of the things that I told Lieutenant Barton was, look, here's what's happened a few months ago with Jessica. She was arrested in Winston County. She gave them information. I don't know what happened. Jessica's mom went to Jason Williams' house and, you know, told him that Jessica had some information about Jeremy and where, where he was at. And I don't really know. I wasn't there. 
I'm just going by what I was told. But anyway, I told him, I said, look, this was some bad shit. I said, I think if you go after this and, and you look into it, I said, I think you're going to find some answers. In the back of my mind, I was always thinking, how is it not related to Jeremy Abbott's death and what happened in Haleable? I just couldn't wrap my head around, because that's the biggest motive in the world. I mean, she gave away information that people didn't want her to give away as to the location of Jeremy and where he was at. We are where we are, and uh, everybody that's that's been involved in the case, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm i from Haleville. I know a lot of people in Haleville. A lot of people in Haleville know me. And the information was always that was coming to me was completely different from Elgin Cocker. No. So that's why I would, you know, bring it up to Lieutenant Barton. I'd be like, so-and-so told me this or so-and-so told me that. And I've got several friends at Havel that swear up and down. She got off Elgin Cocker. Road. In talking with Jessica's father about what we've learned regarding Jeremy, his belief that Jeremy's death and Jessica's disappearance are linked has been rekindled. Last week, Keith decided to contact the district attorney about it and make a request. Here is the letter that was delivered to D.A. Slatton last week. Dear District Attorney Slatton, My name is Keith Hamby, and I am the father of missing person Jessica Hamby. I am writing to you today to request that the death of Jeremy Abbott be reopened for investigation and that his body be exhumed for autopsy. There are two reasons for my request. I know that Jeremy Abbott was murdered, and I understand more than most anyone what his family is going through. They need and deserve answers about Jeremy. Jeremy's death was never investigated. No family deserves to be dismissed and treated as if their family member's life doesn't matter. Enough suspicious circumstances were present in Jeremy's disappearance and death that an autopsy should have been completed and a thorough investigation conducted. The way his disappearance and death were treated is a black eye on the Marion County Sheriff's Office, the Haleyville Police Department, and the Marion County Coroner's Office. As the parent of a child who was taken from us too soon by criminals, I stand with Jeremy's mom, Kimberly Mann, and me and my family will do everything within our power to help, support, and see to it that justice is served in Jeremy's murder. The truth must come to light. From the very beginning of the investigation into my daughter's disappearance on January 3rd, 2018, I have repeatedly asked the different investigators how my daughter's disappearance could not be connected to the murder of Jeremy Abbott. I've been ignored and dismissed. I have told these investigators numerous times that Jeremy was murdered. I know this to be true because of the things that my missing daughter said to me, other family members, friends, and acquaintances after Jeremy's disappearance. She also sent messages to people that indicate he was murdered. 
Jessica knew where Jeremy's body was when he was missing. She came to me and her mom both to talk to us about it. She told me she knew where he was. She told me how scared she was. I knew then that she knew more than she was telling me, and I tried my best to get her to tell me, but she wouldn't. She was just too scared. She told her mom a little more detail, but I doubt that what she told Lynn was the full truth because I believe that Jessica thought telling us all that information would put our lives and the lives of her children at risk, too. She told Lynn that Jeremy was lured into the woods by their friends, and there was a large group of people waiting on them. She said some of these people jumped Jeremy. Jeremy yelled for Jessica to run, and she told her mom that she eventually did. Jessica felt a lot of guilt and grief over that. Ultimately, my daughter could not live with herself knowing where her friend was while his family was desperately searching for him. Jessica trusted a police officer with the Haleyville Police Department, and she told him where to find Jeremy's body. Jeremy was found right where Jessica told him he'd be. They promised to protect Jessica, but they didn't. There are messages Jessica sent right after Jeremy was found, in which she states the Abbots got her in some shit, and that she was scared and had to get somewhere safe. We are also aware that Jessica sent messages and spoke to a friend over the phone. She told this person that she saw Jeremy's murder, and she told the friend who did it. The friend has stated that they provided screenshots of the messages to the Marion County Sheriff's Office, and they told them the things that Jessica told them about Jeremy's murder during their phone conversations. They were told by the investigators not to give the screenshots of theirs and Jessica's conversations to anyone because they were investigating it. I am as certain as can be that no investigation has ever been done to see if Jeremy's death and Jessica's disappearance could be connected. Immediately after Jeremy's body was found, Jessica left the state to hide because she was afraid that the ones responsible for Jeremy's murder were going to kill her too. She did return home in the fall or winter of 2017, and she seemed okay to me. Little did I know she was hiding the truth from me. There are witnesses out there that saw and know that Jesse Abbott continued to threaten and look for Jessica, and I believe that that's when she decided to check herself in to Journey Detox Facility. Per one of the employees there at the facility, Jessica constantly talked about her friend who'd been murdered. The employee said that Jessica told her she knew who did it and that she was afraid they were going to kill her too. My daughter has been missing for over four and a half years, and no progress has been made. It is obvious to me that the reason no progress has been made is because the focus is and has always been on Elgin Cochran Road, the Edwards, and the Moats. While I know that all those people are involved and they know what happened to Jessica, they are only one piece to the puzzle and a blind eye has been turned to the other pieces. It is imperative that the evidence stop being ignored. I do not believe that there is any hope my daughter will be found until the powers that be 
own up to the fact that Jeremy Abbott was murdered and Jessica was very likely murdered due to the knowledge she had about that. I am pleading with you, for the sake of Jeremy's family and my family, that you do the right thing and reopen Jeremy's case. That kid was murdered and everyone knows it. We do have information regarding many of the people involved and most all are career criminals with multiple felony convictions. I am willing to provide all of the information I have. You can reach me anytime. Thank you for your time and consideration. Sincerely, Keith Hamby. As of this time, Keith has not received a response to his letter, but he is hopeful that he will soon. The evidence that Jeremy did not commit suicide is strong, and the indications that Jeremy's murder and Jessica's disappearance are connected are compelling. In the weeks prior to Jessica's disappearance, her behavior was described as out of the norm and fearful. In the next episode, you'll hear some things we've learned that might have contributed to Jessica's behavior. And you'll also hear from someone who spent a great deal of time with her in the last weeks leading up to her disappearance. A friend of mine had gotten a pistol, a 25, and I bought it. You know, it was the cutest little thing. And he said, let me see it. And I told him, okay. I let him see it. And uh, he told me that that was the gun that shot Jeremy. Join us next time as we continue to investigate and push for justice for Jessica and now Jeremy Abbott, too. If you have any information that could help to solve the disappearance of Jessica Hamby, please email me at secretstruecrime at gmail.com or call our confidential tip line at 205-282-0740. Michael and I will ensure that all information gets to the right place right away. If you are left still wanting even more content, please check us out on Patreon. We have it filled with great information about Susan and Evan, Eric and Gypsy, and we will be adding additional content about Jessica. This podcast is an independent podcast. That means that everything that goes into making this podcast is done and funded by me. All of the investigative tools and resources are provided by Echo 7 Foxtrot. The tragedies we highlight and investigate have had a tremendous impact on the victims, loved ones, and friends. We don't burden them with additional expenses to cover their cases. We donate our time and talents because we want to help and hope to find the answers they need that are so long overdue. For as little as $5 per month, you can receive exclusive access to members-only photos, videos, early access to episodes, and much, much more. By becoming a patron, you too are helping us help these families. Patreon.com 
slash secrets crime. I'll also post the link on our Facebook page. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast player of choice and by giving us a five-star rating and review. We are active on social media and will often share photos of Jessica and now Jeremy. Follow Secrets True Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Secrets Crime. This episode was co-written by me and Michael Fleming. The audio production for this podcast is by Kane Power at precisionpodcasting.com. Thank you.